welcome back to Grit Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. Two episodes this week, we'll be talking running backs on this episode, our final fantasy prep episode. There are some drafts. Last weekend was a big draft weekend. I had my first draft of the season, but there are a ton of drafts coming up, so get your prep on. We've got a quarterback and tight ends episode you can go back and listen to, a wide receivers episode you can listen to, and now we will round it out with the running back position. Later on this week, we will take a look back at the future predictions that we made earlier in the summer. And we'll play a little edition of Fold, Stay Pat, or Double Down. I can tell you this. I know one bet I'll be folding, so you have to check in on that. We'll, prob- we'll record that on Friday, recording this on a Tuesday for a Tuesday release. DP and Mo are here to talk running backs. Mo, you were in the chat yesterday. You said you had the number two pick in one of your big PPR drafts. When is that? How's the prep going? How you doing, buddy? It's tonight. I need to. Uh, I'm. I'm glad we we did this today because doing the research for all these last year was so key for me and my prep for my drafts. And I think everything went really well last year. I had some good teams, so uh, hopefully all this prep helps me out again. And uh, obviously, this was the biggest one. DP, we are in the middle of a slow draft, a dynasty rookie free agent draft, and in classic DP fashion, you are trying to antagonize. The other eleven owners, dude. Slow, first of all, slow drafts are the way to go. Hundred percent. Oh my god, how like good! This. If you were in a dynasty league, even a keeper league, and you're not doing a slow draft, you have to reevaluate your life. This, uh, you know, trying to set a draft time and all that sort of stuff is that's absolutely for the birds. It's so pitiful. I'm going through it right now, and it's just dreadful. The thing I've done in my hometown league is, uh, and 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 it's it's kind of sad. Uh, I commission a hometown league that's kind of become not as important. Uh, there's two hometown leagues. One is like I was actually just in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, where everybody travels to the draft, and it's like the the big thing. It's a bigger buy-in too. But then I have like my own little hometown league with some with some dads in it as well, and it's kind of fallen to the wayside but everybody still loves it because it's idp and it's it's different from a lot of the leagues that people play in and uh so what i've started to do is i just start the draft an hour before the thursday kickoff because i know that everybody's one focus that day is going to be watching football and so instead of watching some of these dumb pregame shows and whatever you know artists they have performing at times square whatever the fuck's going on that everybody can just fire up the draft room and the draft will take like maybe two hours, so it'll just eat into the game a little bit. And that's why I know I know that everybody will be making time for that draft. That's been my strategy. So that's a little pro tip for all you guys. Out what there. happens when someone tears their ACL mid? Well, that's mid, uh, that's fun game. though. There was a uh, so Chefs played last year, uh, right against the Patriots, and Demetrius Thomas, right second string tight end, maybe even third string tight end. Scored a touchdown and he actually got drafted and played that week. But everybody has the same advantage, right? Because they're all watching the game at the same time. So some of those weird things do happen. Um, let's talk running backs. Uh, I kept this last because I believe that this is the most volatile position in terms not only of performance on the field, tons of injuries, but clarity as well. Like 
from the start of camp to now, no ADP shifts are as dramatic as they are at the running back position because things become more clear, guys get injured, roles become defined as we watch some of these preseason games. And I feel like after the dress rehearsal is maybe when we can give the best picture to our listeners. Now, maybe it would have been more beneficial, say, a couple weeks ago, if we could have Nostradamus predicted some of these roles. But I think we can give better information now that some of the roles, at least what we believe, are more cemented. So that is why we're focusing on the running backs this week. I gave the fellows some ranks, or some ADPs, excuse me, both standard and PPR, so I'll let them uh, give what they fancy. And uh, we'll start positive. I'm feeling positive. DP, give us two players whose ADP you think is too low and that you can see yourself taking a couple rounds higher. Just two, or can I do more? Oh, no. I, the number is not necessary. I don't even know why I said two. Yeah, I didn't know if this was like a game of PLO, you know, <laughs> pick two and only use two. Um, Marlon Mack first, Marshawn Lynch, Deion Lewis, and Tevin Coleman are my four guys this year. Tevin Coleman is more of like a kind of secondary option to them. Um, but I really like Marlon Mack, Marshawn Lynch, Deion Lewis. With Marlon Mack, I think the healthier that luck is, and he seems to be looking – more and more healthy almost by the day now, um, if you're kind of following along with that. I know I'm following Luck and his progression a little bit more closely. I'm just really interested in his comeback and that sort of thing and how he can then help. I know we talked about him a lot on the on the quarterbacks podcast. Um, so I just really like Marlon Mack as I think he's more versatile than people think, and I think he's really forgotten about it just up in Indianapolis. I mean, he's going fairly low. Um, in the in the draft, I think it's eighth or ninth round. If I can snag him in like the seventh, which is still allowing me to get a lot of value, and then have those rounds ahead of him to draft the uh, wide receivers where I like to, um, then I think I'm gonna feel great about that pick. I I won't complain at all as my RB two, Marshawn Lynch. I'm weirdly high on Marshawn Lynch this year. I just I think that Gruden's gonna want to run the ball first of all. I think that just. From what I can tell, being where I am and reading all the reports, watching videos and all this sort of stuff, I just feel like Marshawn Lynch is, he's not going to be the beast mode of old, but he's more beast mode of old than he is what Marshawn Lynch was last year. Um, I think he was, he's going to be better. And just coupling that, the fact with, you know, Gruden coming in there is just going to kind of bring that old school feel, want to run the ball a little bit more and hopefully scheme things a little bit better in that regard and take the ball out of Derek Carr's hands. And then Deion Lewis. So Deion Lewis showed us what he can do last year, um, you know, being that that every down back for, for the Patriots. And he didn't break. He, you know, I was a bit shocked that he didn't break, but he didn't break. Um, I like kind of like the fact that he's going to have Derrick Henry to take some of that load off of him this year, but I think he's going to be used a ton. They're going to have a whole new system there. Uh, Mike Malarkey, you guys all know I love him. He's out. Um, they got Vrabel in there. They're going to be doing some different things. So just if I can get Deion Lewis a little later on as well, I think that he deserves it. Deion Lewis to me is, I mean, a lot of people are talking this year about Jarek McKinnon. I'm not totally sold on Jarek McKinnon. I'm more sold on Deion Lewis in a similar skill set, but knowing that we have that past history of last year where Deion Lewis did be the every down back as a smaller, you know, quicker back that we tend to think and look at those guys and say, oh, they're just going to break once they get hit once. Well, Deion Lewis didn't break, so it makes me a little bit higher on him going forward. 
So let's key in on Marlon Mack for a second here. Uh, he checks off a lot of boxes for me. When I when I look for running backs, one of the things I, I want to try to do is attach them to good offenses. And good offenses will then lead to more scoring opportunities, and more scoring opportunities will hopefully lead to more carries in the red zone, and even better than that, close to the goal line. And the Colts, if your first statement holds true, if Andrew Luck is back to form, Andrew Luck can lead a good offense. We know that. We've seen it before. Uh, And the Colts' backfield is a dumpster fire right now. Uh, Marlon Mack, of course, is working through an injury right now, which really opened the floodgates for both Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, two young guys who have completely just puked on their cleats in the preseason with fumbles and missed assignments and just playing awful. So much so that C-Mike, body is so ready, has gotten some first-team reps. And me, being the C-Mike truther that I am, I can even say that this guy is not going to stick. And if he does, he'll do exactly what he did in Seattle and Dallas. He might flash for a week or two, and then he'll completely dissipate into nothingness. Uh, Then there's a little bit of an interesting cog with Robert Turbin, uh, who is suspended for four games of the season. But if there's a guy that at this moment I would like to gamble on, it probably is Marlon Mack. Looking at uh, FantasyFootballCalculator.com, just just a month ago, on July 28th, his uh, 12-team PPR average draft position was the last pick of the sixth round. Last pick of the sixth round. Now he is the last pick of the eighth round. So a full two-round drop with this injury. And when you're in the later rounds like that, I have no problem taking a gamble, rolling the dice a little bit with somebody that, if they work out, amazing. That's great. But at this point in the draft, when we're in the eighth, ninth round, even the seventh round, if you want to reach up and grab Marlon Mack, you're not spending that much draft capital. These are guys that you can end up cutting early on in the season. So... Good offense, great opportunity. I think Marlon Mack is a uh, is a good is a good get. Mo, do you have any comments on any of the backs that uh, DP rattled off there? Mainly, I was definitely looking at Marlon Mack too. He is um, one of those guys where watching him last year, I test was good. I I looked. Uh, I owned Marlon Mack in two leagues last year and. I think when he was on the field, he was fine, but they just insisted on giving a million touches to Frank Gore. The only thing is, he does appear to be nursing an injury right now. Uh, hamstring strain, it looks like. Um, so that that is the only thing that worries me. But um, overall, I like the talent, like the situation. So I think it's fine to just uh, roll the dice on him for sure, where he's being drafted. I, w- I would go a little higher than that as well. All right, give us some RBs you're into. All right, one guy I think has, you know, uh, it's 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 weird because he's going really high, but I, I still think he has a chance to justify that draft stock and maybe go even a little better than a few of the guys uh, drafted in front of him. It's just that... You know, because of how high he's being drafted, it's going to be hard for him to like dramatically outperform his draft stock. But I do think Christian McCaffrey is in a really good spot this year. Um, 
80 catches last year and only 117 rushes in a part-time role. Uh, I think the latter should go up quite a bit. Um, no more Jay Stu. Sorry, Rich. He's not there. R.I.P. Jay Stu. Vulture, these TDs. And he's only got to fend off uh, the really blah C.J. Anderson. Um, not a fan of this offensive line at all, but the Panthers do have a really soft schedule in terms of um, run defenses. They only play four opponents the entire season in the top half of uh, Sharp Football's run efficiency defense. So that's, uh, I think, where he's going in the mid-second is should be his floor. Like, I think you could easily justify uh, a high second round or late first round pick on him. I think it would not surprise me if he outperformed uh, guys going at the top of the draft like uh, Fournette, uh, Melvin Gordon. And uh, his next closest guy is actually Dalvin Cook. I think that's, that's a, a close call too. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So just looking at PPR, 12-team PPR, I think that, that ESPN has kind of trailblazed that as the standard league. The three guys going directly in front of him are Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, and Julio Jones. The next running back is Leonard Fournette. So you would take him before Fournette and Dalvin Cook in PPR? I think I would rather have him than Cook um, and Fournette. It's pretty close, you know? I think it's really close. Um, Cook, I just don't know what he's going to look like. And if you don't get absolute max you know, value on these first, the whole season basically with these top picks, I just don't know if I'm super comfortable spending you know, borderline first rounders on a guy. I don't know if it's going to be at his best for the first month or so. I am really worried that Cook's going to end up getting vultured a bunch by Latavius Murray. That that's my biggest worry with him because Latavius is going to get a nice workload. They don't want Cook to get hurt again, so I think that is going to be a real split. And especially in the red zone area, I think we could see a lot of Latavius. So I I too am worried about Cook. But I I will say the there's there's two sides to the Christian McCaffrey 2018 story. The one side is the uptick in volume. Like you said, there's no more Jace Stu, and C.J. Anderson is not a world beater. And beyond that, in the preseason, it has shown that CMC is on the field all of the time in this North Turner offense, which we love. The downside to that, and this is my biggest worry, is he's a little dude. He's tough and everything. He's a pro. He, he's not... Don't see a, a little white dude out there and don't think that he can play against these guys, because he can. This dude's ripped. But... Even as ripped as he is, he's still in that Darren Sproles phylum, right? Like, you can't just pound Darren Sproles into the line 300 times in a season and expect the guy to last 16 games. So that is my worry. I actually think the uptick in volume could result in us not seeing McCaffrey on the field for 16 games. That being said, though, I, I am probably happily taking him at his ADP and... I, too, am taking him over Dalvin Cook, but I think I would favor the receivers going near him, both Julio and Michael Thomas. Got yeah, other... I definitely like those receivers. Got any other receiver, uh, running backs? Yeah, another one I really like, and this is much lower in the draft. Um, man, 
it, this is another weird one because he's suspended <laughs> right now. But, man, the situation is so good for Aaron Jones. Um, so the Packers open with two of the toughest run defenses they're going to face all year. Um, the Bears and the Vikings. And then the next six opponents are all really poor in run efficiency defense. So it could be a situation where he comes back in a perfect spot and he just can build up his value and lock up um, the job uh, over... I mean, look at the guys he's up against in this backfield, man. Jamal Williams is atrocious. And then you got Ty Mont, who we know can't really handle being an every-down back. Uh, decent player, but do not see him being... I mean, Aaron Jones is just so by far the best running back on this team. And it's an Aaron Rodgers offense. And he's going in the 11th round. Um, the flex players who are going around him are something Kittle, Alan Hearns, and something Galladay. I mean, I just think it's this is crazy uh, ADP for uh, Aaron Jones, so... I really, I really think he's could be one of the biggest values in the draft. He, he's just, and, and then you also look at the rest of this Packers offense. They're as light on weapons as they've ever been. So I, I think he's going to get a lot of touches. And this is this prescribes to that same exact theory of Marlon Mack: get guys that are in good offenses that have opportunities to score. And we're not really worried about Tymon if we like Aaron Jones. Tymon's going to play his role. He's going to be sprinkled in on third downs. We might even see him in the slot, depending on what they do with Randall Cobb. Uh, based upon what I've read on the Randall Cobb situation, he seems like a very likely cut candidate. The Packers would save $9 million by just straight up cutting him. And it makes sense that the leak came out that they're looking to trade him to see if anybody will just hand over a 7th or 6th rounder for a player they're going to cut anyway. His action on the field has been limited in the preseason as well. So while... We're trying to throw darts at the Geronimo Allisons and Equinemius St. Browns and Valdez Scantings of the world, who I, I do think are worth late-round dart throws. Some of that volume out of the slot might actually go to Tymont as well because he is an excellent receiver, obviously still wears the 88 number as a running back there. So we know Tymont's role. He's going to be there. And to your point, all Aaron Jones has to do to get the early down work is to beat out Jamal Williams, which from what reports from uh, Green Bay have during preseason, seems likely. So once we get through the suspension, Aaron Jones could be a massive play. Uh, again, good offense, good player, good opportunity. That's what we like. Man, Jamal see. Williams is terrible. <laughs> he, is, he can't move. <laughs> that is the great mystery. Everybody for the last couple of years has tried to zero in on whoever the tight end uh, Green Bay is throwing to, and that has been a carousel of new players, but they've also, I mean, I guess in the post Eddie Lacy era, like they've never found a guy that can just play that position. I think Tymon's done it the best, which is wild, especially given how free running backs are during free agency. Now it's, it's mind boggling that they haven't been able to sure up that position. I'm going to stick with that same theme. Great offense, great opportunity. But my situation is about as murky as possible, and I think that's why we're getting a bit of value. And just like Marlon Mack, two months ago, Sony Michelle 
was going a full two rounds ahead of where he is right now. On July 28th, on FantasyFootballCalculator.com and a 12-team PPR, he was going with the first pick in the fifth round. First pick in the fifth round. So this is a starter, either an RB2 or in your flex position. And now, as we record, he is going with the fourth pick in the eighth round. So apologies, that's a three-round drop. One round more than Marlon Mack. Could Sony Michelle miss real time in this season and get and when he comes back be uh sacrificed by a very crowded backfield with a lot of bodies absolutely however bill belichick the absolute god the goat coach spent a first round draft pick on the most inefficient position in football and Sony Michelle fits what they try to do, throwing to the running back, about as perfect as possible. There is a non-zero chance that this entire preseason, this absence of Sony Michelle, is just another Randy Moss situation. Where Randy Moss comes in, he's quiet in the preseason, might even look bad in the preseason, and then comes out and lights the world on fire. And I'm not saying Sony Michelle is going to go out and break the record for touchdowns. That's not the prediction. What I'm saying is, don't be afraid to embrace the ambiguity that is the New England Patriots. Because if there's a team that is not going to lay out their game plan and let everybody read it line by line when the games don't matter, it is the Pats and Bill Belichick. So in the eighth round, when I can get a guy that can be a legit league winner, we're talking an Alvin Kamara type player, yeah, I'm going to fire on that. And if it doesn't work out, I'll cut him in a couple weeks. And hopefully he won't uh, explode on somebody else's team. DP, before I got one more guy, but before I go to him, would you take Sony Michelle in the eighth round in a PPR league? Yeah, if it was a an eight game season, he's not going to play more than eight games this year. So don't draft him. You don't think you think he's this knee injury is going to sideline him no, for, he's for bone on bone his knee. Yeah, but the Pats it's, knew that. No, man. it's you can't you can't play in the NFL. Like that. The same thing just happened to Malcolm Mitchell, and he could never get on the field for two years. God. It's going to happen. Can, can they really have made this mistake, though? What do you mean? Belichick, listen, Belichick doesn't care. He doesn't care this year. <laughs> so he just blew they, Donnie they made, takes are the they, best. They made him trade away his next guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. He could give two shits what he does with the draft, what he puts out there for Brady to throw to his wide receivers. The, the team is a freaking dumpster fire right now, okay? He drafted a freaking running back in the first round, the most useless position imaginable, and then he went and drafted a guard who might have played tackle, who was undersized, who ended up tearing his Achilles anyway. He's gone. It's no, 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 no. Can't and wait. not to mention, if you just look at the draft history of Bill Belichick in the first and second rounds going back like 10 years, I think he's hit on maybe one guy, maybe one. I can't, no, this, are these takes real? I can't wait to put a montage together when they're 13 and three. And, these takes are awesome. And plowing through the playoffs. I mean, those are truthful takes, Mo. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, some of these, the, the, the exaggerations are awesome. I will say, I do, I do somewhat actually agree with you on this one. Uh, the knee injury really worries me, and um, the fact that he hasn't been able to practice. The Patriots are such a, like, you have to know the system. You have to be running the system. You have to be a cog in the machine. 
And uh, I don't know if he can do that right now. And just given like the time he's missed as far as learning the playbook and such, I mean, on a different team, I wouldn't really be that worried. They'll just put you in the backfield and hand you the ball. But the Patriots don't do that. And uh, Rex Burkhead is only going 11 picks higher. I, I think I would much rather have Rex Burkhead. I mean, he, he can't get on the field either. He's fine. What do you mean? What do you mean? He has a minor tear in his knee. That's uh, so what? That's his injury. Re, no, re, <laughs> Rex is Rex has definitely not been reliable. He's been great when he's on the field, but he's not been reliable. And James White, kind of the same way. For some reason, he just doesn't get burned sometimes, even though he's definitely been the most efficient back. They've used him the most in the playoffs, but for whatever reason, they just don't play him the most. I don't know. I just think there's enough opportunity here and a great offense that Michelle can take advantage of. My other but guy. There's, there's no more blunt, though. What are you talking about? Jeremy Hill, fam. Who needs blunt when you have Jeremy Hill and Mike Gillisley who are just going to fall oh. forward? Jeremy Gillisley's probably going to have three touchdowns in the first game. Everyone's <laughs> going to go ape nuts for him. And then, whatever. He won't touch the ball for the rest of the season. The uh, the wild thing is, I actually think Burkhead is the best goal line runner of the bunch. He's got that uh, not to do the white on white crime thing. Uh, but he's. Okay, first of all, Tom Brady is the best goal line runner. Oh, well, hands down you just absolutely you'll be sneak king what you cannot deny that fact you can't deny that fact well he's not running like you said go away, line. Go away. <laughs> yeah you <laughs> you can't have it both ways uh he's got that uh god i can't even think of the 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 guy's name now uh danny woodhead he's got that danny woodhead ability of just sneaking into the right gap and uh falling into the end zone Rex Burkhead, that is. Yeah, Burkhead's solid. And this injury, I mean, everything I've seen is like he's going to be fine for week one. So my other, I don't know. I mean, my, Michelle's getting his knee drained. My other guy is the exact opposite. He is not sexy whatsoever. He's not a player that when you announce him in your draft room or you click him in the client that the chat is going to fill up with praise for your selection. In fact, he's not even being drafted. So this goes for people that have already drafted and maybe waivers have processed or you can drop your kicker while you wait and pick up an extra player. Guys, I'm really interested in Alfred Morris. So the situation in San Francisco is bleak right now. We, of course, had the injury to Jarek McKinnon, who started the summer as like a third-round draft pick. Uh, he's nursing a knee injury and has never been reliable in the NFL, the most carries he's had in a single season, I believe, is 159. So he's never carried an offense. He's never been consistently on the field. And now he was being drafted as a no-brainer RB1 or RB2. I always hated his value. I never understood it. Then you've got Matt Breda, who I thought flew off the screen last year. Passed the eye test, and he passed the metrics test as well. 4.4 yards per carry was amazing. But he has one of, if not the, worst upper body injury a running back can have. Separated shoulder. Good luck entertaining contact with a separated shoulder. This is one of those where they give you a timetable, and it's always going to extend past it. Because your timetable to resume football activity is way different than your timetable to actually get hit by somebody in a pro football game. Separated shoulder is an awful injury for anybody entertaining contact throughout the ballgame. So he's a huge question mark. 
They bring in Jeremy McNichols, a second-round guy that couldn't even make a roster. Imagine spending a second-round pick on somebody and then cutting him during the preseason. You have to be about as bad as possible for that to happen. So what do they do? They bring in... Oh, sorry. Uh, McNichols is a fifth-round pick. Apologies. Not second. Fifth-round pick. Cut last year. They bring in Alfred Morris. Q Alfred Morris. The FAU guy that had a great career with the Redskins, went to the Dallas Cowboys, and was pretty good last year. And they bring him in last week. And the biggest fear off the bat is that he's just a camp body, right? Just a guy that you need to get some reps in, you need to have some depth. But then he goes out and looks amazing in the dress rehearsal, scampering around, and he really fits the kind of scheme that Kyle Shanahan runs. He is a great zone runner. He gets to the edge. He knows what hole to pick. He's just a pro's pro. And again, is this guy going to light the world on fire? No. But with so many massive injury questions in an offense that if we believe in Jimmy G and we believe in Kyle Shanahan should be able to move the ball, we should be interested in the only warm body with a pulse running the ball, and that is currently undrafted Alfred Morris. Mo, where are you on Alfred Morris? Do you think he's cooked? I feel like you might think he's cooked. I don't think he's cooked. He was pretty productive when he's gotten in the game. Um, you know, I've always thought he's pretty solid. The only thing is, though, it's just they just did everything they could to move on from Carlos Hyde. And, you know, he's not exactly the same type of runner as Carlos Hyde, but you can tell they just want to move away from these kind of a little more plodding. I mean, Hyde has a little bit of speed, a little more speed than Morris, but... You know, they want these Swiss Army knife backs. Like, Shanahan's dream is to get McCaffrey. So, um, I just, you know, he just doesn't seem to fit what they want to do. So, I could just see them signing or giving, you know, touches to somebody else that just has a more stylistic fit. But that being said, you know, I do think he is, like, the better running back compared to all these guys. I just don't know if he's going to be treated like it. Yeah, that's very fair. There's definitely a mold that Kyle Shanahan wants. Like, he he wants Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, right? That's who he wants his running backs to be. Tevin Coleman being a free agent next year. Uh, you guys uh, connect the dots there. Uh, but, yeah, unless somebody gets cut from another team that kind of tickles Kyle Shanahan's fancy, and even if that happens, they have to get up to speed. Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued. Again, undrafted. So if you've already drafted... Go ahead and cut your kicker and pick up Alfred Morris and see what happens. You know, there's there's a possibility that this guy, he's the perfect example of you look at everybody's pre-draft rankings right now, and then you look at their week one rankings, right? Alfred Morris is going to be like, no joke, 70 to 80 spots higher in week one rankings than he is in pre-draft rankings right now. And those types of guys really interest me. Another another guy that I, that nobody mentioned, but I'll just throw it out there just for a talking point. Adrian Peterson's the same way, you know. Right now, if you look at anybody's pre-draft rankings, he's probably in like the 60s, the 70s. When those Week One rankings come out on ESPN, Fantasy Pros, Yahoo, wherever you're looking, Adrian Peterson's going to be a top 20 running back because he's going to be the starter. So we need to be interested. I know he's super old. I know he's super annoying, but you have to be willing to click on Adrian Peterson, I think, in the later rounds. Because this guy's going to get touches. And maybe you cut him after a couple of weeks, but he's going to be involved in that offense. 
So I think it's worth it. Okay, let's move on. I've gotten negative, so let's keep keep the negative vibes going. Mo, give us a couple of running backs that you think, based upon their current ADP, are being drafted too high that you will not be rostering this season. Well, I'm selling high on the hype trains of a couple young, talented, well, relatively talented in, in at least one case. Running backs that, you know, it's not even that I hate the player, especially on this first one. Kenyon Drake, love the talent, hate the situation. I actually really like Drake. Um, I owned him in almost every league last year that I played in. <laughs> I think he's got the ability to really, like, he has the speed and explosiveness to break off big plays. He's, uh, you know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's on a team that shouldn't be interested in trying to win the Super Bowl right now because they're not going to win the Super Bowl right now. They need to be interested in developing their players. So if anyone has their brain on, Drake is going to be the man over there. But does anybody have their brain on in Miami? It's Miami. Frank Gore, so baby. What do, what do they do? They sign Frank Gore. And we all know they already hate Drake because last year they were giving carries to something called Damian Williams. While Drake was killing it, really. Um, and then you've even got another wild card, Kalen Ballage looming. They used, uh, I believe it was a fourth rounder on him. He's definitely got some talent and, and is a wild card, has the ability to take some touches away from Drake. Um, the schedule is also not favorable. Eight of their first 11 opponents are in the top half of uh, Sharp's uh, rush efficiency defense. Um, Man, just... And where Drake is going. He's going with like the 36th pick, 37th pick, right around there. I mean, using a third rounder on a guy... In this situation, it's complete craziness. I uh, definitely would rather have Jay Ajay and Derrick Henry, who are both being drafted after him, and also even Alex Collins, who I am 0% excited about his talent level. Yeah, Drake is the classic example of... So one of my favorite, one of my favorite analysts is Chris Harris, and he's very much a tape guy. He doesn't... I mean, he does besmirch the numbers to the nth degree, but he really preaches talent over opportunity at all aspects. But at some point, you need to have some opportunity. You need to have some volume in order to be someone that's relevant in fantasy, right? Fantasy football is, at the end of the day, a game of numbers. And talent can increase the efficiency of those numbers, but... If your first data point, your touches, your targets, is not where it needs to be, then you, sir, are FUBAR. And Kenyon Drake fits that mold perfectly, because just as Mo said, these coaches seem to hate the guy, despite how talented he seems to be, both running the ball and catching the ball. For whatever reason, they do not have him on the field as much as they should, nor do they get him the ball as often as they should. So I think he's definitely a great candidate, and a good example of... Fantasy, you don't have to be a good football player to be good at fantasy. And the inverse, some good football players just don't get the opportunity to be good fantasy players, which is eternally frustrating. D, 
DP, or do you have any more, uh, Mom? Yeah, yeah. Still got another one. Go for it. That I want to run by you guys. <laughs> you saw me in the chat. I dropped it in the chat last night. What is this Royce Freeman ADP? <laughs> is he even the starting running back? He's only in the fourth round. I mean, I I don't know. Third round in some cases it looks like. Uh, seems less than ideal to spend a third or fourth rounder on a guy when we don't even know if he's the best running back on the team. And then that's before you even factor in this offensive line is still trash. Uh, the schedule has the entire fantasy schedule has only five opponents that are in the bottom 10 of the rush efficiency defense. And then most importantly, really is you look at the guys who are being drafted around him. Um, there's some, you can get a really, really solid receiver. I mean, I don't like any of the running backs really going around there. They definitely don't excite me, but the receivers going around there, I mean, Golden Tate, Josh Gordon, Juju, Brandon Cooks. I mean, you could get a really solid wide receiver. So why who may be the number two back in a bad offense with this high of a pick? Uh, I just don't understand it. This is shiny toy syndrome, right? This is rookie running back has come in and scored a touchdown in every game in the preseason. Syndrome. This is uh, your boy, Amir Abdullah. Young guy, never seen him before, flashes, looks good, let's draft him. You know, this This is total, and I've, I've avoided this situation every single year. Young guy that gets people excited, so they draft him. Because to your point, Devontae Booker is not going away. And th- yeah, the NFL, this is a game of every backfield as a committee nowadays. But... Uh, like, why do we think Freeman of all the committee field, the committees, right? Of all the guys that are splitting carries in the NFL, yeah. Why? Why do we? Why do we like Royce Freeman to uh, to outperform his ADP compared to some of these other guys that have shown that are professional athletes and been in the NFL? Why do we like Royce Freeman over him? I, I don't. I don't get it either. So yeah, zero shares of Royce Freeman on my rosters this year. DP, keep us going. Keep it negative. Who are you fading this year? Whose ADP is too high for your liking? Well, Rich, you talked on him a little bit earlier. I think Jarek McKinnon's ADP is a little bit too high. I mean, do we even know if this guy can last a full season? He hasn't really in the past, and in the past he's only been that that sort of third down pass catching back. And you know, now they're just going to expect him to go into San Francisco. He's going to have a new team, a new offense, new coaches, all that sort of stuff. Which is it can go either way, but to me, that's just uncertainty. You know, I, you don't know if it's going to work. Is he going to fully learn things? Is he going to be as effective as everyone is touting that he's going to be? And then also, is he just going to break down having to carry? that massive load. I really like what you said earlier about Alfred Morris and being able to get him as a flyer much later on, because if there's a guy that has proven that he can take a running backs workload in the NFL, it's Alfred Morris. I mean, that's for sure. Um, I just think that uh, Jarek McKinnon is going much higher uh, than someone I would like. And I'd rather pick up, uh, you know, a bunch of those wide receivers that are going right around him, such as a Hilton, the Baldwin, even a little bit lower with a Larry Fitzgerald. I'd much rather have those guys as opposed to a Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Jarek. It's uh, he, he's never been consistent. To your point, he's never had the full load, and now he's entering the season 
expected to be the lead back nursing a knee injury. It just doesn't seem like the type of formula that you want when you're taking a player to be at a minimum your flex and at a maximum maybe even an RB1, definitely an RB2. Uh, who else at the running back position are you uh, are you trying to fade here? I'm not a Kareem Hunt guy this year. I think he's going, I think he deserves to go high. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's going too high. I would not be taking him uh, in the first round. I would be looking to get him in the second round or just let other people gamble on him. The whole, the big debate seems to be between Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt. I am much more a Kamara guy than a Hunt. I honestly, Still don't know what the heck Mahomes is going to be. Just that whole breaking in a new starting quarterback, I think, is going to have a negative effect on Hunt. I think he was he outperformed a lot of things last year. I mean, obviously, he outperformed everything. No one saw Kareem Hunt having the year he was going to have, but I don't think we're going to see near that same sort of production this year. And I like a lot of the running backs that are going after him in the draft. And Melvin Gorman, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, I really like this year. Christian McCaffrey, absolutely love him. I even like a Joe Mixon or a Jordan Howard much better than I like a Kareem Hunt this Whoa, year. Whoa, that's scorching. What that I like, Joe this? Mixon. What is this guy talking about? Mixon, yeah, Howard. <laughs> Mixon what? is a hail mary, but Jordan Howard is a is a bottom five take of all time. Okay, you guys want to put pizzas on Jordan Howard versus Kareem Hunt? Absolutely, I'll put pizza franchise like ninety five pizzas. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, okay, let's go. We'll do a pizza on each. Fantasy Love. points. Pick the site. Uh, ESPN standard. Book it. ESPN standard got it. Mo, you're the chef's guy. Uh, I've got some some takes here, but I'd like to hear you first on on Kareem Hunt. He did slow. We did have this conversation briefly in the chat yesterday. He did slow down during the stretch. Offensive line worrisome. What do you got on Kareem Hunt, Mo? I still think he's really good. I mean, I test. Wow, he looked great last year. He really um, maximized a lot of those runs. I I think. The guys uh, dra- being drafted after him, I don't see much of an argument for them to be over him, to be honest. Uh, maybe you could argue McCaffrey, but I still definitely don't see it. Um, I think he's really being drafted at his floor, to be honest, right now. like I definitely think there's a decent chance he... I would rather have him than Barkley. Barkley's going ahead of him. Um and definitely think there's a decent chance he outperforms some of the guys going at the top of the draft. Uh, like, would you be shocked if he had a better fantasy season than Zeke? I wouldn't. But we're also lower on the Cowboys than anybody. This is an interesting one. Uh, Andy Reid offense. He's certainly going to get the volume. I think... We are ignoring Spencer Ware a little bit too much. Not in the vein that Spencer Ware is going to come and take Kareem Hunt's job. But he's going to eat into his volume, which he couldn't do last year, of course, with the ACL injury. I think the same can be said for Alvin Kamara. I think that people are, some for some reason, extending this Mark Ingram uh, suspension into the entire season and acting like Kamara's workload is just going to increase dramatically beyond those four games. And I don't know why it would. 
I don't know why the Saints wouldn't just do exactly what they did last year, featuring both Ingram and Kamara. They complement each other tremendously, and they're both really good fits to that offense. They're not just going to stop feeding Mark Ingram, especially given that he gets to rest for the first quarter of the season. If anything, I can make the argument that Mark Ingram, maybe during those next four games, will get more touches than Alvin Kamara did, uh, than he did during splits last year with Kamara. So Kamara is somebody that worries me a little bit more than Kareem Hunt, but I can definitely see arguments for both of them because look at the running backs that are going around them. You know, they're sandwiched between Zeke and then in, in that area are Barkley, Melvin Gordon, and Leonard Fournette. And who's taking touches away from Zeke, Barkley, Gordon, and Fournette? You know, is there even a running back with a pulse? Yes. In those in those backfields. Can I throw a name at you that I just drove me crazy last year? TJ Yeldon. Something. Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler. Shitting on Melvin Gordon. Go away, Melvin Gordon. You suck. (laughs) Oh, no. Melvin Gordon is awesome. Stop. Blew it for me last year. No. Melvin Gordon's good. Guy couldn't hold off something Eckler. (laughs) I don't. I don't think those four running backs have anybody competing for touches. Whereas, I mean, Al- Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram is a, is a split, right? Like, that that's a 50-50 split. Alvin Kamara is not that's just... Another one, but that's another one where they hate the player. Yeah, they do we hate Ingram. We know they hate Ingram. They hate Ingram. It's so weird. It's beyond weird. And then I do, I really do think Spencer Ware is just not a total afterthought. Um, which makes... Uh, the Kareem Hunt thing a little bit more interesting. Although I, I'm de- definitely taking him over Jordan Howard. I mean, if anything, I think it could be it could help him because like he was obviously noticeably more effective in the first half of the season. So definitely, possibly he wore down, and you know maybe um, a smoother workload would would help him a little bit. Um, what 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 are your thoughts, Rich, on? Uh, running backs in general at the top of the draft because uh, I know you keep dropping stuff in the chat. So what, what are you're saying? You're more inclined to take wide receivers this year, right? It's RB season, baby. Uh, I think towards the end of the first round, there are a lot of mistakes being made, in my humble opinion. Uh, like so, Gurley, Bell, Johnson, Zeke. I get it. Zeke is starting to worry me. And it was even before the entire offensive line started falling with injuries and and off-the-field problems. Uh, So I probably would take Brown over Zeke. But then after that, just the concept that running backs die, right? Like, more often, injuries affect the running back position more than the wide receiver position. And the study that I referenced a few episodes ago... uh, Running backs are more predictable on a week-to-week basis than they are on a season-long basis, and the inverse is true. Receivers are more predictable on a season-long basis than they are on a week-to-week basis. So you are more uh, likely going to have easier decisions in the season if you have stud receivers that you just plug and play, and you have a, a bunch of running backs that you can play the matchups. Now, can you get a bunch of running backs that are the starters on their team and, and play their matchups? Probably not. That's difficult. But... I, I just feel safer having at least one elite receiver uh, than one of these 
RB7s or RB8s. So at the end of the first, I'm way more inclined to take Brown, Hopkins, OBJ, even Julio. And then on the swing back, take whoever's available from Cook, McCaffrey, even Mixon, and be happy with it. Because what's going to happen is all those guys that took running back in the first round are inevitably going to take receiver, I think, in the second round. So I'd rather get the best receiver possible at the back end of the first round and then one of those running backs as opposed to just firing a Kareem Hunter or Melvin Gordon and then hoping I get one of the top three receivers uh, when it snakes back. But the top three, I, I definitely think they should they should take the running back. Um, but towards that middle end of the first round, I, I really think that we're making a mistake by not taking Brown, Hopkins, OBJ, even Julio. And that leads into my overvalued uh, statement. <laughs> I think every running back being selected in the third, fourth, and fifth round uh, is being overvalued. Uh, I'll stick to the third and fourth most notably. So it starts off with our, our friend Jarek McKinnon, and you could even throw Shady in here. So I'll, we'll go McCoy, McKinnon, Drake, Collins, Henry, Freeman, Ajayi. Uh, and then it ends with Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller probably has the fewest question marks of this group. Of those running backs, did did that list stimulate any of you out there listening? Did any of you out there hear one of those running back names and say, ooh, you know what? That's that's an interesting guy. I think he can uh, really step in and, and be a league winner for me. Probably not. Here are the receivers going in that exact same range. Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Doug Baldwin, Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, Demarius Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate, Allen Robinson, Josh Gordon. That is a nipple-tingling list. Right? Like, how big of a difference is there between those running backs and those receivers? So, I think it's extremely important to get a running back in those first two rounds, preferably in the front end of the first round, or the front end of the second round, right? So if you have a late first, I like going, and I, I hate having like a set strategy, but it's just the way ADP is going, it feels like it's falling into place this way. Late first, I like going receiver, running back, receiver. Early first, I like going running back, receiver, receiver. That's just me, though. But from that third to fourth round, Mo, how much better are those receivers than those running backs? 100% agree. And that, that's one of the reasons why I was saying the Royce Freeman and Kenyon Drake ADPs are insane. I mean, the receivers going around them are so solid. It's, it's mind-blowing, the difference between those players. And I think that's really where this running back season thing has really gotten me, is how depressed some of those receiver values. Like, like, how is Larry Fitzgerald going as the 44th pick in standard and the 35th pick in PPR? Like, that seems it's crazy to me. A late third, early fourth for Larry Fitzgerald? Like, sign me up. Where do I sign for that? As my my WR2 or even my flex, if I if I already have a bunch of receivers. DP, let's close it out. What do you, what do you think? That, that wide receiver group is just miles better than the running back. Yeah, I think that what you see, you brought up third, fourth, and fifth round running backs. I think you just, that's when you start to get the people in the draft rooms are kind of freaking out that they either 
missed out on a top tier running back and then they have to grab one. So they overreach or they're just worried about getting two running backs right off the bat. So they go running back, running back. And then, you know, it's just driving up all those draft board, all those draft picks. But I don't think any of those guys in the middle, I'd rather have, if it's me, first of all, I hate drafting at the top of the draft this year. Cause it's kind of handcuffing me to pick one of these top three guys, these running backs. Not that I don't like them. I just, I, I'm, I want to be more of a wide receiver guy this year. So preferably if I'm going to draft, it's going wide or running back first. And then, I don't know, four or five wide receivers, and then I'll four get back to five. my running back. That's, that's a party. Well, I mean, I, I just think that that like my RB2, I've learned, like I've been kind of trying to pay attention to my RB2 in the past couple of years, and I've learned that I don't ever really like my RB2 at all unless something happens. I'm in a dynasty league or a keeper league, and I can trade up and get two high running backs or something like that. But in a standard league, you know, I'm just, I'm never really happy with that RB2, and I'm, oftentimes just kind of plugging and playing that hot hand. So I'll just take a bunch of flyers on a bunch of guys later on um, and hopefully make up for that with the fact that I have some, like three really good wide receivers that I can deploy every week out of a batch of four or five. Yeah, and that kind of plays into exactly what that study I said is uh, noted, is that it is easier from a week-to-week basis to predict running back uh, points than it is from a season-long basis. So yeah, from like round six on, I am just slamming the RB button in these drafts. Like, yeah, that's when you just draft Duke Johnson and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Donnie loves Duke Johnson. Uh, so that's the uh, the RBs pod. We uh, we like some of the early guys. We hate the uh, third and fourth round guys. And then deep in the draft, just start peppering running backs. Just give yourselves opportunities. To roster some guys with upside, guys that are getting volume, just just give yourself an opportunity to maybe play some matchups and maximize your points. Uh, follow these guys on Twitter at Donnie underscore Peters. We've got at Mo Nuora N U W W A R A H, and I'm at Richie Ryan. Follow the flagship at Gridiron Gamble. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review. All of that really helps us out, and uh, we'll see you on Friday where we will look back at our future predictions and see if we're folding, staying pat, or doubling down. Until then, enjoy your week, boys and girls. Happy drafting. Peace. Out.